All right, we finally made it. This is the 52nd episode of the Randy Forcer podcast. When I started this podcast, I told myself I wanted to do it every week for a full year. And here I am, the 52nd episode, full year, did not miss a week. Very excited. Appreciate everyone who listened, downloaded, subscribed, all of that. Very much appreciated. So this week on the podcast, I'm joined by Nate McCabe. Nate is a realtor with Pac Maynard in Kennebunk. He's also a real estate investor. He owns a short-term rental company called Coastline Vacation Rentals. He's got a ton of stuff going on. We had a great conversation about all of that. It's keys to success, some advice for short-term rental investors. I think you'll really enjoy that conversation. This is the Randy Forcer podcast. If you can do me a favor, still subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, or Apple. And if you could like us on social media or on Facebook or Instagram, Appreciate the support again. Thank you so much for listening, sticking with me for a year. Here's Nate. Nate, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Randy. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about it for, God, six months probably. So, Yeah, yeah. Thanks for bearing with me. Yeah, no, we're we're both busy guys. Believe it or not, I didn't tell you this, but when I first started the podcast, my goal was to do it for one year, one episode a week. And this is actually my 52nd episode. So the one year anniversary is uh, is with you. So it's pretty cool. That's crazy. That's crazy. I remember we were sitting in the boathouse and you were talking about the idea. Yeah. It seems like yesterday. And every single week for, for a full year, man, that was my goal. So I got to set up some new goals, but it's kind of cool to be achieving that and then having you on since we talked about it so long ago. So, so thanks yeah. again, bud. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Congrats on the, on the big one year. Yeah. Thanks brother. Now you are a realtor, a real estate investor, a small business owner, whole bunch of different things going on. Let's start with the real estate side of things. Tell me about your background and what got you into real estate. Well, it got me into real estate. So in 2017, my wife and I moved down, we're born and raised here down to Boston and I was in law enforcement actually up here, graduated in 2015 from college, got my bachelor's in criminology, did that whole thing. We moved down there and I had a friend that was a realtor and then I had a friend that was at Boston PD. So I kind of already knew the law enforcement gig. Mm -hmm. So I shadowed that realtor and went out to lunch with him. He told me about the job and everything and just seemed like too good to be true. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I got my I got my real estate license in Boston, mm -hmm. and then went full on. Did rentals down there. It's it's a little bit different down yeah. there. I mean, when you start out, you you kind of just slam those rental. Um, they make you focus on that. Yeah, yeah rentals is big though. That's totally different market for that sort of stuff than here. Totally different. Totally mm -hmm. different. So I did that for a while, and then we moved back up here. We only lasted, I say lasted, but we only lasted like a year down there. Moved back up here in 18, landed a position over at Pac Maynard and Associates in Kennebunk. We moved to Kennebunk and um, been at it since 2018. How'd you end up at Pac Maynard? Some family ties or just by chance? Yeah, so oh. I sent out a few emails. I just kind of looked at the top producing brokerages and teams mm -hmm. in the area. We already knew we wanted to live in Kennebunk, so I just I wanted to you know hang my license somewhere in Kennebunk. I emailed a few of the top producing brokerages and teams and a couple of them got back to me. A couple of them didn't. Mm -hmm. Heidi was one that didn't. So I just kept emailing her and <laughs> calling her and calling and emailing. And eventually she, you know, she sat down with me for a little interview and signed me. You know, I, I, I went on with them and I think it was the following week or something and just went mm -hmm. right at it. And, but yeah, I just did my homework, did my research and uh, was persistent. 
So it's been five years, had a pandemic in between when you started and now it's been a wild, wild stretch. You've had some success in that time. I think last year you did some significant business. What's been a key to your success in real estate? Yeah, key to success. It's sounds pretty simple, but it's a little complex. You know, my business plan is kind of just set around being real, honest, and knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm always learning, always doing continuing ed. I learn a lot through you know podcasts, actual classes, and talking to people that have done it better and at a higher level than me. So it's just being real, honest, and knowledgeable. That's kind of where I form my business around. Yep. And I've grown significantly year over year and just very thankful for my clients that trust me with leading them and, and navigating their biggest financial transaction probably ever in their life. It's kind of quite the honor. You managed to do a lot of business in the luxury market, right? Like just like the upper end, Kennebunkport type properties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I do, but I, I don't, I don't solely do that. You know, it, mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends that are, you know, my age that are kind of just getting into the market that, you know, I do all of York County. My office is in Kennebunk. So naturally I'll get a lot of those leads and those clients that come through, yeah. but I do it all. You know, I, I sold a $38,000 mobile home and I've sold a four and a half million dollar beach house. So for hey, that, that is a good spread. Right. I mean, there are people that need $38,000 mobile homes. I don't even know if that exists anymore. That couldn't have been recently. Was it or was it recently? It was, that was, I don't know, two years ago, yeah. but, but I don't geez. think they exist. <laughs> yeah. They don't exist now. And now it's like a totally different market, but a $4 million beach home must be pretty, must be pretty sweet to, to get that under your belt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a good transaction, but you know, it's just, it, it stems back to being real and honest and, and knowledgeable and, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a great ride for me. I think last year I saw a stat. I, I was the number one individual realtor in York County last year. As far Everyone as else was team-based. Yeah. Yeah. First four ahead of me were team-based. So that's, I, I remember something like that too, or, or seeing some pretty big numbers next to your name. So that's awesome. And congratulations for that success. Thank you very much. Now, how are you working to grow your business right now? Is it referral based? Is it just people that you know, sphere of influence? Is there, is there something else that you're doing that just other realtors might not realize? Not that I want you to share all your secrets, but is there just something that's working well for you? Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm about as transparent as possible. You know, when I first started out, it was just grinding. You know, I was cold calling, sending out mailers, you know, doing everything to get business. But I'm also like, I take pride in not being kind of a, a salesy salesman. I, I like to be real and and not make it sound salesy so now it's kind of transferred over into mostly referrals and you know friends and it, it's snowballing from there but it was a ride in the beginning you know it was, it, we were grinding <laughs> absolutely i mean you have to when you're getting into the business especially as a young person how old were you when you moved out to Kennebunk? so you had to be in your 20s right yeah it would have been probably i think 25. yeah so yeah. you meant I think for most people that age getting into real estate, you do have to grind right away. You're not just going to walk in the door with a bunch of credibility and experience and, you know, you have to, you have to grind, but then it gets to this kind of tipping point that it seems like you're a little bit at right now and it does get the snowball from there. So, right. Right. I remember my first list, it was so hard, you know, how am I going to convince someone to list their property with me that has zero sales under my belt versus, you know, Heidi Maynard, which, you know, she's a top producing broker in the community. So it was a challenge trying to convince people to do that, but I had my ways. Yeah. I mean, I get the whole idea of not sounding too salesy either. I think that that's kind of how I am too. I don't want to be some 
slick sales guy that's just trying to like pull the wool over your eyes. You just want to be upfront, disclose the information, and then help someone make the best decision they possibly can. It sounds like you kind of have that same thought process. Exactly. Exactly. But now you look at some of the places that you sold and that you're listing. There's a lot of upper end stuff. I mean, it looks like you just had a nice, what one that was back in December, like big place in Saco. But yeah, man, and now it just starts to snowball from there. So very cool to see. What's the market like nowadays for the high end stuff? Has that been affected by anything that you hear about on the news, or is that just still kind of trucking along? So, this is a weird market. It, you know, it's it's really weird. High end is it's all over the place right now. What what I'm seeing is one to two million. If it's not water views or walk to the beach, even walk to like Dock Square, that's just where I am, like a town center. It's sitting, you know, we're, we're seeing it's, we're seeing properties sit for a little bit in that price range. Anything, you know, under 800,000 in this area is, is gone pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, under 400 is, that's a unicorn. <laughs> it's a unicorn. It's so sad to see, man. It really oh, is. It's unreal. It's a real problem. But yeah, I think the rates are definitely impacting. I think more so sellers kind of sounds counterintuitive, but if if you're going to sell your property, where are you going to go after that? And your buying power has significantly decreased. Definitely. I was talking to someone today about the rate thing for the, for the longest time as rates increased. I'm like, you know, what? it's no big deal. People are going to buy places regardless of what the rate is. And I still feel that is true. I have people that would buy homes if they could find it at a 10% interest rate. But the, the thing that I'm realizing and have been for a little bit now is the issue is more on the seller side of things. People yeah. don't want to get rid of the, you know, if they're sitting on a two and a half percent mortgage, a 3% mortgage, the high rates is a deterrent against them selling. And that's what we really need to loosen up this market, create some inventory. So my, my hope is that rates come down and people get a little bit more motivated to sell, but we're still in that upper six, low seven scenario range, depending on your, on your credit and your down payment, all that stuff. And that's, that's preventing a lot of people. Yeah. And it's still, you know, I mean, it is a higher rate, but I mean, you know better than anyone, but historically it's not terrible. I think it's just a lot of sticker shock right now. We were spoiled with that 3% interest rate for so long. It's, uh, it's hundreds of dollars per month, you know? It's, so it is tough because you can show people the chart and so many people I talk to that are maybe in their fifties and older. It's like, yeah, I remember my first mortgage in 1980 something. And it was at 15%. And it's like, I get that, you know, like it is, you know, 6% historically is a good rate, but it's, you know, everyone's a, what have you done for me lately kind of person? Like, you know, so regardless of that stuff, people still have this expectation of low interest rates. So right. we, we were definitely spoiled, man. You know, it's, it's hundreds of dollars difference per month, if not thousands for some of the, some of the purchase prices that you're doing. So I don't know, man, hopefully it turns around. We're starting to get signs that inflation's slowing down. And my hope is that rates come down towards the second half of the year, create some opportunity for people to refinance create some incentive for people to sell their homes and then kind of move the market a little bit. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen at the next Fed meeting? I actually saw something that people are thinking they're not going to raise rates. So it's, <laughs> I wish I had a crystal ball. I could probably <laughs> invest some money some way and make a lot of money on it if I knew for sure. But it's the right. first time I've heard some people say that they actually didn't think they were going to increase interest rates. So that would be a pretty strong sign to the market and might get some movement in mortgage rates. So it's, it's weird, right? People are not putting stuff under contract right now, though. There's just not a lot of homes. So right, right. I actually had someone ask me this question yesterday. I don't know if you've ever thought this or it's ever had anyone mention it to you, but someone reached out to me and was like, I helped them buy a home a few years ago. And I think they have a 2.75% interest rate. And yes, like, can I transfer that rate to a different property? 
and just get a different mortgage for the difference. You know, like say it was a $500,000 mortgage at 2.75, just take that 2.75 and transfer it over to another property and then get another mortgage for the difference. And I'm like, no, you cannot do that. But it was interesting that like, that was a thought that he had. And I'm sure other people have had that thought. And once I said no, then he's like, well, then we're just going to stay here. And that kind of just further perpetuates like that problem that I was describing. So, you know, right. once right. he only knew one that, person. Yeah. It, once he knew he would lose that 275 rate, I was like, all right, man, I'm going to die in this house. You know? Yeah. So, yep. so the number I hear is five and a half percent is what experts would say if rates got to that, that would motivate some people to sell. So I don't think that we're that far away from that happening. And what are we at now? Mid sixes? Mid sixes, biggest down payment, best credit profile. But, you know, not everyone has, or at least the people that I often work with. You know, if you have a lower down payment and worse credit, you're up into the low sevens. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, it's a. It's a wild time, man. So we'll we will see. We will see what happens. How are the first time home buyers that you're dealing with the same thing, just having a hard time finding anything? Yeah. And then, you know, it's 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 kind of twofold, you know, hard time finding finding something. And then once they do, you know, I was part of a frenzy in Wells. There was a property that came on. It was a short sale, so it was listed significantly under what it should be. Is this recently? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Jeez, I think they capped the showings at like a hundred or something, and then it was just <laughs> can't show it we managed to get a showing submitted an offer you know our offer came in second oh wow i don't know how many but but it's, it's still it's it's just an uphill battle for first-time home buyers or mm -hmm. you know anyone looking for how many offers were there i don't know i don't yeah. know i can't get that info but i'm assuming there was quite a few double digit you know dozens yeah. if it's capped at 100 showings and you probably get 50 offers that's just wild yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it's tough and I feel for them. It's it's so tough and it's so hard to help them. But, you know, there are things you can do to an offer to to make it stronger without really touching the purchase price. I mean, a lot of sellers, that's kind of their first, the first mm -hmm. thing they look at is that line. But there are other ways that you can strengthen the offer. I have my thoughts on what that includes. What are some of the things that come to mind for you? Or like appraisal waivers, quick closing, conventional financing. I mean, Obviously, cash trumps all of that stuff, but are there other things outside of that? Yeah, I mean, there, the, the, as you know, there are so many different things, but it kind of depends on the seller too. Like, what does the seller want to see? You know, do they want to close quickly or do they want to close in October and that's... use the property for the summer? So, and if you have you... a flexible buyer, that's actually a good call on the ones that are willing to wait and give them the time they need. Right. Because one of the biggest things, if I was a seller, I'd be scared where I'm going to go once my house is under contract. So if you have a buyer that is very flexible, that can, you know, that could win you a deal. Exactly. And a lot of those sellers in that price range, you know, they have that, that sale contingency. So they need, they need somewhere to go and they know how hard it is in this market to, to find something. So if you kind of give them that, that, you know, ease their mind that we're willing to wait, maybe that will help, but it really depends on the seller. You kind of, unfortunately, you kind of have to give the seller what they want in this market, mm. whether that's, you know, price, if they're worried about home inspection, you, you could look at the contingency there, a little bit riskier move there, mm -hmm. finance, you know, sh quick close. Mm -hmm. there, there are, there's quite a few things. And it, like I said, it really varies for the seller. Have you seen any appraisal gaps lately? I know that I have personally, I imagine you have too. Yeah, uh, I've seen a few. I've seen a few, but it's definitely not as bad as last year and yeah. before. And just for people that don't know what that is, that's basically a buyer and a seller agreeing to a price. And then the buyer has a clause in there that if it appraises low, that they're willing to pay for that difference. 
and that protects the seller and basically kind of locks in that purchase price for them. So that was a thing that was very popular over the past couple of years and kind of slowed down a little bit, but I've seen it make a little bit of a return as things are super, super competitive right now. I think it'll return again for this year. You know, mm -hmm. it's same, same story. Inventory is mm -hmm. so low. Everyone's fighting for a house. Um, so if you're willing to kind of overpay for that property and do the appraisal gap, then, you know, if it's a long-term play, it's probably not the worst move there. If it's, yeah. you know, 20 grand. Well, the other thing too, you know, like, yeah, if it's just 20 grand, like if you need a house and you want to be in this town and you want to be in this school district and you like the neighborhood and it's everything you want from a lifestyle family point of view, it's like, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, I guess if it's an investment, it's a different story, but I've seen people in the past couple of years miss out on deals or buying homes over 5,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks, yeah. where if, you know, you don't want to encourage people to overpay, but like at some point, maybe the numbers part doesn't make that much of a difference. And it's like, you know, the lifestyle thing, you know? And yeah. Yeah. I always ask my clients too, when we're, when we're drafting up that offer, my question is always at what price will you feel no regret if you don't get the property, mm -hmm. you know, cause the last thing you want to do is, is, you know, find out that it closed 5,000 over and say, I would have paid that, you know? Yeah. So that's my, that's my question always to my, mm -hmm. my buyer clients. Yeah. That's a good way to think of it. So, yeah. So the other thing that you have going on is you started a short-term rental company called Coastline Property Management. Is that, am I saying that right? Uh, Coastline Coast Vacation Rentals. Coastline yep. Vacation Rentals. So Coastline Vacation Rentals and Management. Yep. I should edit that out. I messed that <laughs> up. But, uh, so you did that a couple of years ago now, two, three years ago? Yeah, we opened in, we opened in February of 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, literally like two That's weeks, so funny. God. <laughs> two weeks before COVID hit, you know, <laughs> long story short. You know, my wife was working as a social worker. We yeah. were starting that transition of, you know, planning out the next steps in our life, having kids, having more time, all of that. So, you know, our, our goal was to get her out of that nine to five hindsight. Now she's a, you know, a, a 5 a.m. to a 5 p.m. But <laughs> so get her out of that nine to five, have more flexibility. So we started the business, formed everything and COVID hit like two weeks later. We're like, what the hell did we just do? Unbelievable hospitality and tourism and now the world shut down, mm -hmm. but yeah. So, you know, we opened that business because I would sell a fair amount of, you know, investment properties or short-term rentals or houses that were in a prime location that could be rented. Mm -hmm. My buyers would ask me to, you know, refer them out to a good rental manager. And there, there's a few around, you know, there, there's mm -hmm. definitely quite a few around, but I saw kind of a gap there on how there is a demand for you know, more qualified property managers that are more up to date on the systems and stuff. So I saw a little bit of a market there and we tapped into it and we started up and I think we had, I don't know, six properties we managed in our first year, just through referrals. And then it's just, we've grown. And I think we now have 30 or 32 properties somewhere in there. It's great. It's going on our fourth season. You know, but starting that business a couple weeks prior to COVID isn't the absolute worst thing. It's not like you had just gotten space and you have all this overhead or supply. I mean, it's obviously not ideal, but it was your wife and were the expenses minimal associated with the business or? Yeah. I think, I think we started the business with like $400. I mean, it was just yeah. forming, forming the LLC, no overhead. Yeah. But yeah, COVID was the best thing for vacation rentals. You know, people want to get away from the city and yeah. So it ended up being fine once you got through that initial shock. Yeah, people that didn't want to stay in hotels anymore. Yeah. Yeah, true. 
true. So, and it, it does go hand in hand with the type of home that you're selling and the type of people that, you know, if you're buying these multi-million dollar properties in Kennebunk Port and they are looking to rent it, it's an easy transition for you to go from selling the home to now managing it. And there's that trust there. And that's, that's awesome growth in basically three years to increase your business from six properties to 30 something. And now you have how many employees or just one other employee or is there multiple? Uh -huh. Yeah, so it's me and my wife and my father-in-law helps with the mm -hmm. business. Uh, and then we have two full-time employees. Yep. They're property managers and they have their own set portfolio of properties that they manage fully. Mm -hmm. and it's quite labor intensive. I mean, we're one of the few full service vacation rental management companies around, meaning that we do everything start to finish. I think all of our homeowners live out of state. Mm -hmm. So it, it really gives an opportunity for out-of-staters to buy a property and rent it out on a weekly basis and have someone take care of, you know, landscaping, pest control projects, and then renting it. So we do everything start to finish. Yeah. Very cool. What's your goal for the business? Just continue to grow the portfolio, add additional property managers. Is there any potential different parts of the business that you'd expand to? What are you thinking? Yeah. You know, it, it I guess there's no real goal in mind We're, mm -hmm. we didn't open the company to to make millions and get rich. We're kind of just doing it until it starts to turn into a headache. And then kind of that's where we know to, to scale it a bit and, you know, stop, stop increasing our property count. So it's really just, we're, we're playing it by year, you know, year to year, and we'll see where it goes. And as long as we're enjoying it, it's not work. So. You know. And it goes so hand in hand with your real estate business too. So it does, you know, it does. you know, a lot of our, a lot of our, some of our guests, actually, that's the biggest thing. Our guests will stay in our properties and, you know, they know when they check into a property that I'm a, I'm a real estate agent as well. So, you know, they'll check in and I can sell them a property and then we rent it out for them. So it's awesome. Yeah. You recently purchased a building on Main Street in Kennebunk. Yep. Was it 19 Main Street? Yep. 19 Main. And you moved to Coastline Vacation Rentals into that first floor. Yep. What's that whole thing been like buying that building, opening up an actual storefront office space? Has that been exciting for you guys? Yeah, it's been, it's been really exciting. It's kind of the next chapter in our, our journey with coastline vacation rentals, you know, cause we were, we were working really out of our house, you know, mm -hmm. and, and through COVID, you know, our plan was to get an office space and then COVID and, you know, we're like, we don't need it. You know, we're, we're doing just fine without it. We don't have to meet any of our homeowners cause they all live out of state. Mm -hmm. uh, our guests just check into the property. There's really no use for it. <clears throat> and then, you know, this property came on, I'm a real estate investor. I own a few other properties around here and just saw that it was a good buy. And then we moved in, we renovated the space and it gives our full-time employees kind of a, a home base. So it's, yeah. it's a really nice feeling. Yeah. I texted you the other day cause I was next door for a closing and I could see like the nice sign and it looked, it looked awesome in there. So, and I was, I actually told you over lunch, not that long ago, how that was one of my first jobs back in the area where I had an office upstairs from there. And I actually looked at this, or I was thinking about looking at this building when you put it under contract, it was, it seemed like it was on the market for a second and then you had it under contract. So it had caught my attention. I'm like, I want to go check out this building. It'd be cool to, to buy this building that I previously worked in. But since you got it, it's, it's, it's been fun to see you improve it and kind of take ownership of it. So yeah, very I, cool. I flew in as soon as it hit the market, we, we viewed it. And then we went to Miami the next day for a vacation and put it under contract in the airport. So I was yeah. like, not letting that thing get away. Great story. Sorry, yeah, no, it's all good, man. It's it's great that you have it. It's a it's a Main Street in Kennebunk is awesome. And it's a one of those featured properties right there. So it's great for you. It'll be a great place for you long term. Yeah. Uh, look like you're renting out the upstairs too, or trying to find a renter for it currently. 
Yes and no. So it, it is a full commercial building, office space throughout. Mm -hmm. But the upstairs, right now on the left side, we we do have a commercial tenant. The right mm -hmm. side, they just moved out, kind of just threw it on us last minute, which is okay. They yep. moved out, and uh, yeah, I advertised for a little bit to get someone in there, but I changed gears, and uh, we're going to renovate it to a one-bedroom apartment oh, up there. Cool. Nice. Yeah. So eventually, my plan is to make the whole upstairs residential and the downstairs commercial. Yep. Very cool. So that's awesome to hear about. A couple things I want to ask you about short-term renting. Are there any potential pitfalls that you see on the horizon, like limitations to short-term rentals in certain areas? You kind of hear about communities putting a a limit on who can rent places short-term. Is that something that you're seeing in the place you do business or or no? Yeah, yeah. Regulation is a huge part of vacation rental management right now, mm -hmm. uh, especially since kind of COVID slowed down a little bit, we're seeing towns really clamp down. Like Kennebunkport has that rental ordinance now where you have to apply and they only release a certain amount of licenses per year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the hopes is to make housing more affordable, whether you agree with that tactic or not, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. Mm -hmm. Other cities and towns have done it around the U.S. and you can go look at the st statistics there that the housing market is more of a macro issue mm -hmm. and limiting vacation rentals isn't really going to put a dent in it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But yeah, regulation is, is on the forefront nationally. You know, they, right. they hold, Verma holds conferences solely based on Verma's Vacation Rental Management Association. Yep. So they hold conferences just on regulations. It's a real issue. I imagine limiting the number of short-term rentals allowed in a community definitely hurts the prices. It has to, right? I mean, like, yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's probably three or four properties on the market right now in Kennebunk that mm -hmm. I know I would have sold with just my investor clients and I'm just one broker here in the community. Mm -hmm. So it's not really the best thing if you're a seller right now, but yeah. then again, sellers are spoiled right now. So <laughs> is that just in Kennebunk port right now, or is it in Wells or any other surrounding communities or? Yeah. So other communities have vacation rental regulations, but they're not as strict as Kennebunk port. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a cap there. Like a gunquit has an ordinance, Saco does, you know, other towns do, but I'm all for regulation if it's for the right reason. So those, mm -hmm. those towns are more so for safety, you know, where, mm -hmm. where the fire department comes in and inspects to make sure that there's smoke COs, that they're not putting 15 people in a basement with no egress, stuff mm -hmm. like that. I'm all for, it's just, when you get into the caps, it's, it's a different meaning than, than safety. We'll see how that plays out. You know, it's it's interesting thing to monitor because yeah, short term rentals have very much blown up over the past few years with COVID, and we may have talked about that. There was a period of time where when someone bought a second home, they would get the same type of terms as if you bought a primary residence, and then there was investment properties off on the side where the terms were much worse, but that was fine. But so many people bought second homes that they ultimately did short term rentals with that all the financing for second homes has changed just to yeah. kind of combat against all the people that. We're buying these second homes, not really as second homes, but as investment properties. And it's totally changed the market. Right. And, right. No, and Maine, Maine's one of those places too. You know, it's different than a lot of other states where there is a lot of demand for that type of property in Southern Maine. People yeah. discovered that through COVID. There is. There is. We're starting to see buyers though, a little more, you know, a little more hesitant to buy short-term rentals right now. It is slowing down. So our, our occupancy rates and our ADR, so our average daily, average daily rates are slowing down a little bit, but sure. we have to really take into consideration that we are so inflated 2020, 2021, 2022, because mm -hmm. of COVID people were 
you know, traveling, they were, they weren't in school. So they were just packing up and coming to Maine for, you know, two weeks in September and just learning remotely. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's an issue. And then the other issue is hotel travelers are starting to go back to hotel stays. Yeah. And the other big issue is supply has significantly increased with, mm -hmm. you know, the whole trend of vacation rentals. With that being said, our occupancy and our average daily rates and all of our KPIs are still well above 2019. Yeah. So it's still a solid investment if you're running the numbers and analyzing the property yeah. the way you should. If you were talking to a new short-term rental investor, what would you give them for advice for the biggest thing they have to consider? I would say find a real estate broker that owns short-term rentals. Uh, mm -hmm. It's so different if, if you own it and you actually know the business mm -hmm. versus if you're just running the numbers based on projections that where are you getting those numbers from? Yeah. So first off, find a real estate broker that owns vacation rentals. And then second, sit down and really analyze and learn yourself too. You know, there's podcasts, there's websites, there's YouTubes. There, there's so many different videos that you can look at to learn yourself. So it, it takes two to tango yeah. your, your partnership. So yeah. you have to be fully invested as well. But if you buy, are you going to use the property yourself? So that's another question. You yeah. Know, you have to love the property if it's not solely an investment. But if you're going to use the property yourself, that takes away from, from some of the income, you know, like, cause if in short-term rental, especially in Maine, what do you have? 10 weeks, 12 weeks for, of peak rental? Is it even less than that? Eight weeks? No, we're at 10 now in COVID. It was like 12 or 13, you know, <laughs> long September's and long June's. <laughs> but if you're going to take a week out of that or two weeks out of that, it's a lot of money. So the numbers have to work a certain way, unless you're just independently wealthy and you don't even care. But if it really is like an investment, you know, you right. have to decide whether or not you're going to use it. Right. Right. And you know, there's more that goes into it too. Like you, you, you can use it on short notice. We have some homeowners that are like, yeah, if it's not rented, we'll, we'll use it. And then it's like, you're more than welcome to use your home, but just know that we have to get our cleaners in after you and someone has to pay for that. So you have to pay a cleaning fee if you want to use your home mm -hmm. uh, and you have to block it out on our software so that the cleaners know that there's a reservation and the property managers know. So they're, it's not just, yeah, I'm going to go use my home whenever I want, unless you're yeah. self-managing. We do have, I told you this before, we have a condo up at Sunday River and it's probably not quite the way you describe in terms of me having to go on some system and block off the dates. But if I'm going to use my place, the manager absolutely has to know. And we definitely have to pay for it to be cleaned just as if we were a renter. That's probably the best way to handle it though. It's just more official that way. And, you know, but it is part of trying to use a place that you do have as a short-term rental. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Cause we advertise all of our properties are professionally clean. So it's like, even if you're a homeowner, we have to mm -hmm. maintain that standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Congratulations on all the success, real estate wise, investing wise, short-term rental wise. It's awesome. Great to see you, man. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate your platform. And I think it's a good way for people to, you know, to learn more about people in the community that are in real estate and just news and news and updates. So I appreciate your hard work. That's the idea, man. I appreciate it. So we'll do it again sometime. All right. Thanks a lot, Randy. All right, pal. Take care. See ya.